0: Freedom of Species is a radio program dedicated to raising awareness about issues concerning animals. It's broadcast from the 3CR studios in Melbourne, Australia, and streamed live via the 3CR website. Podcasts are available via the 3CR website and the Freedom of Species website. Welcome to the show. I'm Kate Gracie, and here in the studio with me is Sue McKinnon from King Lake Friends of the Forest. Hi, Kate. Good to be here. And on the phone, we've got Peter Roberts, also from King Lake Friends of the Forest. Hello, Peter. Are you there?
1: Good afternoon, Kate.
0: Great. We've made contact. I've got Sue and Peter today to talk about their battle with Vic Forest, which is a government-owned logging company, um, and they're battling them to save the greater glider. It's a cliche, but I think it's pretty classic David and Goliath stuff. Uh, absolutely. Now, Sue, I suspect most people will know very little about the greater glider, so can you start by telling us about this animal?
2: yeah, sure, yes um, a, a good friend of mine said, um, people won't know what a greater glider looks like just just tell them what what we call them so we refer to them uh, as flying baby koalas they are <laughs> <laughs> they are they look a little bit like a koala um and uh, but they can glide between between trees, and they have a, a membrane between their front legs and their back legs that they can open up, and they can just glide eighty meters between trees. Their their diet uh, is is well. Let me tell you a bit more what they look like. Yeah, yeah. They're, so, they're, so they're they're fluffy. They're gorgeous. They're about koala size, baby koala size. They're really fluffy. They've got this long. Oh, uh, 60 centimetre tail that just hangs down. It doesn't wrap around the branch. It just hangs there. Uh, they've got incredibly fluffy big ears and sort of like a teddy bear, isn't it's it? It's like oh, it's so much like a teddy bear. They're yeah, right. so cute. Um, and uh, when you go in the forest, you you can pick them up if you have a spotlight because they have a, a beautiful big. Eye shine, so they they can look directly. If they're looking at you, you can pick up these beautiful, big, golden orbs of their eyes, and um, and they just sit there, a little bit like a koala. They don't move around the the branch as much, so you can sit there and gaze, and you can set up your camera and get a good photo, and just enjoy being being there with them in in their home and their place.
0: It sounds amazing. I've never seen a greater glider, no. and um, I imagine most people haven't, but um, I hopefully. One day I will before um, they go extinct and I've just realised, I've just looked around and I've found, I didn't realise but we're also in the studio with my five-year-old and I didn't realise he was in here but here he is. I felt something brushing against my leg (laughs) and I realised he's under the desk. Now Sue, what was the historical distribution of the Greater Glider and what's its current distribution now?
2: Okay, so they're all down the eastern states. They're from Queensland down to New South Wales, down to Victoria. In King Lake, we're sort of at the uh, we're, we're at the southern edge uh, of, of their range. Very important, uh, their edge of range um, population in King Lake. That's a very important population. Uh, their range is still there. They still are seen over this range, but their population has dropped. Their, their numbers have dropped 80% in the last 20 years. So, yeah, so that's why they've been listed as threatened. And what's sort of, what's its habitat type? What's what does it prefer? They prefer old tre- they prefer ma- they have to have mature trees. Uh for one reason, they need the uh the hollows in the trees in order to live, that's where they den overnight, and it's also where they nest and have their babies. So, it's got to be a reasonably big hollow for. Um, they don't sit in branches of trees like koalas. They go into hollows to right. keep warm. What an old... What, what's trees only start forming hollows around 80 years old. Oh, wow. And then they... That's the start of the formation. Right. And then they probably get to a nice large hollow, about 120. And they have to have a tree about 40 centimetres diameter at least... To glide onto, so they can't just glide into a skinny, small tree. It has to be a significant-sized tree, and then they have to have mature trees to to eat the leaves from those trees because there's a certain amount of nutrients that they need, um, and and vitamins and minerals, and, and it all comes from new growth in mature trees. They don't sound like they're very delicate. <laughs> no, they're not. And they don't sound particularly oh,
0: aerodynamic.
2: No. Um, They're actually called the clumsy, sometimes they're also referred to as the clumsy
0: possum. Oh, that's unkind. (laughs) And what sort of forest type? I mean, you're talking about mature forest, but what sort of forest? Uh, It can be from wet forest
2: to uh, open, moist forest. Uh, Also in some dry forests, such as the Strathbogies. Uh, quite a range of forests. Um, it has to be sort of the trees just have to be a reasonably close distance together and, um,
0: and mature. Okay. Now tell me, what is its official protection status? I understand that it's got a couple of different um, protection listings? Yes. Yeah, so
2: it's been listed two, over two years ago. It was listed nationally on the, um, the Commonwealth government list as threatened and also listed in Victoria, as threatened, I believe it's also listed in Queensland and New South Wales, but I'm not sure about that. But certainly in Victoria, two years ago it was listed as threatened because right. of this dramatic, um, you know, uh, catastrophic collapse in 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 numbers. Was that due
0: to the? <clears throat> excuse me. Was that due to the fires, or is that just due to a whole bunch a range of different factors?
2: It's due to a range of different factors, and logging is certainly one of them.
0: Right. Okay. Yep. And so, and it, it also has a listing of are vulnerable as well? Does one, does one sort of supersede the other? Uh, in the
2: Commonwealth listings,
0: there's various
2: grades, vulnerable, threatened, um, endangered, critically endangered. Um, and in Victoria, you're just on the threatened list or not, okay. basically.
0: Okay, yep, okay. Now, so I understand Vic forests is currently clear-felling within the glider habitat in um, Mount Robertson State Forest, which is near King Lake where you guys are from, how significant is that greater glider population at Mount Robertson?
2: Well, this particular population was absolutely a surprise to everyone because uh, the 2009 fires ripped through King Lake, as everyone knows and remembers. Yeah. And uh, greater gliders don't, they're not mobile. They don't move from one patch to another patch for various reasons, which I can explain. But um, so to see to see any gliders in this forest it was a surprise, and we can only assume that well the the forest in this particular area burnt at eleven thirty at night, so it burnt with less severity so it, uh, and it has some gullies there in this, this particular area of forest, so there are some gliders that somehow survived the the terrible fires of two thousand and nine, and then the trees were able to have enough leaves so that those gliders that survived had food because gliders can't live long without food. Right. So that's a, it's, a, it's significant for that reason in that it's surrounded by a fire-impacted landscape. Yeah, so yeah. there's not areas of greater gliders all around it that can gradually distribute back into this area. Um, and it's also surrounded. It's uh, two sides have got uh, private property, cleared private property on two sides. So, it, logging this area may cause, cause local extinction. It's also uh, significant in that it's an edge edge of range population,
0: which in itself is uh, has genetic implications. What sort of numbers are we talking? What sort of number of individual gliders are you talking in this? Mount Robertson population.
2: Well, there's been 32 detections in this particular uh, coop. In the other uh, two uh, three coops, a uh, three area, coop is the area that they're going to log. There's been uh, another 20 in one, various in others. But um, so about 40 detections. Okay. Uh, but you have to realise... Also, that you only really pick up one in four greater gliders when you go spotlighting and, and surveying, and that's been a well recognised um, situation that, that, that scientists realise that they only pick up about one in four, and the areas that we survey are only limited areas over the whole coop. So um, we, we could be talking three
0: hundred greater gliders. In All this right. Area. Okay. And yep. so, how? What's the proportion? What's its proportion within the greater? glider population of Victoria.
2: Well that's a significant thing. We don't know. There's been no there's been no extensive surveys to see the whole whole area uh, numbers. The thing, the reason that it's listed as threatened is because we know definitely that certain areas that have been surveyed repeatedly over thirty years uh, have shown decline in numbers. So we know what the pattern of the species population
0: is, we don't actually know the entire number. Right, right, okay. So I guess, and this is the crux of it, why doesn't those protection statuses that have been given the greater glider, why aren't they protecting it? Well, that is the crux of it,
2: absolutely. So two years ago that the glider was listed in Victoria as threatened yep. and it's the Department of Environment's responsibility, their mandated responsibility, to write an action statement that, ensures that that glider will not be further threatened by practices such as logging etc yep. it is their mandated responsibility to do that as soon as possible now they haven't done
0: it in over two years yeah right so why are we still waiting for an action statement what what's there's the delay no, is there's there no reason? reason just
2: there's, there's no reason just going reason. to get in the way of logging? The, yes
0: now I understand too that King Lake Friends of the Forest has, and I know this through Facebook, God love Facebook, yeah. that King Lake Friends of the Forest has successfully been holding off thick Forest for the last fortnight, which is amazing. Like you've actually stopped logging operations for the last fortnight, which is a really big deal. Can you tell me more about this action and, and is it still going on right now?
2: Okay yeah, sure that the we're we are holding up um logging over over the ha- last two weeks, and it will continue as long as log- logging continues so um, how have you
0: done it like how what are you are you, are you locked onto a machine well it's
2: um well it's not just King Lake Friends of the forest members it's other community members as well everyone's right. joined in and um, fantastic and it requires uh just we we're, people have just walked in. And logging has to stop for safety reasons when people walk into a, oh, okay. an area.
0: Right. Just your presence. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Okay. And so, how long do you do you plan to just keep people present for as long as it takes? As Absolutely. As, so, if, as long as if if we went up there and just sat in the coop, they just can't log. And so, you're just yeah. encouraging people to go up there and just sit in the coop.
2: Well, yes, there, you are committing an offence when you do so, oh, and so you can be
0: arrested. Yeah. Yeah,
2: okay. yeah, and um, and the Department of uh, Jobs did come in and uh, remove the protesters on one day, and it's just unfortunate that it's come to this. This has been this has come after six months of writing to Vic Forrest and the Department of Environment and doing surveys for Greater Gliders, proving they're there, um, and no one was listening. These these these. These concerns and alarms just fell on deaf ears, and now it's come to the community having to just raise the alarm, and um, it, it shouldn't have
0: come to this. Yeah, absolutely, it shouldn't have come to this. Have there been arrests made? No
2: arrests have been made, but they, people have been escorted out of the out of the logging area, out of the coop.
0: Okay. So tell me about how the logging operations, when the logging operations are on, how do they impact the greater glider? Is it like, the, is it the loss of the, their habitat, or is it the post logging burns, or is it crush injuries, or is it all of the above, or is it something else? What well, is it that that is literally impacting the, the gliders?
2: Well, the the gliders do often glide away when their tree is felled, right. Um, And I I think this is in a way it's even sadder because what happens is they die of starvation within the next week. And the reason for that is that gliders eat eucalypt leaves and, and like koalas, they just have to sit there and wait until all the toxins in those leaves are digested. And until that's digested, they can't eat any more. It's just that they're not like us. We can stuff our face and then yep. and then you know live for a few days without food. Yeah, they don't have that. They use most of their energy intake in digesting the toxins. Mm-hmm. So, they then the rest of the energy that they can get out of a leaf is used for keeping warm, um, normal, keeping their heart going and their brain going, yep. and moving around the canopy to get to those leaves. They only use a tiny amount of energy in gliding right. between trees. Okay. And they can't use any more. If they have to go searching, if their tree, their feed tree, is felled yep. and they have to go searching and glide further for a feed tree, yeah, they simply start to cool down, their metabolism stops, their organs stop, and they just wind down to yeah, right. death. Okay. Okay. Uh, at the moment... The gliders are in their breeding season, so the ones that are dying right now by
0: starvation are pregnant. So this is something I wanted to ask Peter too. Peter, you still we've still got you there on the phone. Yes, you have. Great. I understand too that climate change is going to be impacting the, the gliders' long-term survival, right?
1: Okay. Climate change is um, a beast, as we all know. It's... Um impacting forests now, uh, not in the future, but now. Um, and with the, uh, the stresses that it's causing in eucalypts, it's obviously going to impact the, the Greater Glider. Um, now, every time you um, log an area... All right, I'll put it to you simply. If I was to... Um, I'll, I'll be blunt here. If I was to hit you, you're going to hit me back, all right? Um, and that's how climate change works. We take an area of forest, like a forest coop, it might be five hectares, it might be 20 hectares, I don't care what, we take that out of um, the positive feedback loop of climate change and then we cut over all those trees, that goes to the negative feedback loop. And the negative feedback loop is something that um, is why we've got climate change. So, yeah, it would impact the Greater Glider quite a lot, it's going to dissect their habitat um, and it's going to uh, fragment the species' uh, genetics as well um, because species won't be able to move around. Um, Yeah, so that's that's just one instance of how climate change will affect greater glider and the greater forest. And logging is
0: exacerbating that? Obviously
1: logging is exacerbating that because it's the cumulative effect of all these logging coops over the decades. Let's not just say the last ten years, but the many, many decades that logging's been going on and the various stages. and let's not forget that some of these logging coops are failed when they actually try to regenerate them. So that means that area of land has taken out of circulation forever uh, or for a very but for, but for, for let's say longer than human time.
0: It seems that both the greater glider and Vic Forest are, are kind of competing for the same mature forest. Peter, why does why does each need mature forest? Why does Vic Forest need mature forest, and why does the glider need mature forest?
1: Uh, because of the, uh, the the makeup of the tree at that point, um, the fibres in the tree are well, you could say ripe for uh, producing paper pulp. So. Um, Yeah, that's why they're both basically wanting both. And at the moment, Vic Forests are winning out, not the greater glider.
0: A mature forest could be plantation timber.
1: Oh, absolutely. And whilst we're on the topic of plantation timber, not so long ago, 2011, 12, 13, I was up through uh, Ballarat Way doing a bit of work and there were hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of hectares of bluegum plantations. This is on uh, private property. Right. being bulldozed and windrowed and torched because there was no market for them. Really? Absolutely. Um, That's bonkers. absolutely dumbfounded me. I just thought that is so typical of an industry so wasteful as, um, as the timber industry can be at times. Now, having said that, I've got a few friends in the timber industry and I want to keep them as friends, um, but... I also acknowledge that uh, it's not them that I'm having the beef with, it's the companies that are are orchestrating the the network of coops that they decide to log.
0: Yeah, right. Do you find that amongst your friends, you've got people in the forestry industry, where do they stand with the Greater Glide? Or do they say, no, we just need to to log?
1: Most of the guys I know work um, and love working out there. Let's face it, it's a terrific environment to work in. It's hard work um, and unfortunately I think the Greater Glider is just seen as collateral damage. It's not something that... that and I'll be honest with you, I'm, I'm more a, a tree and soil person um, uh, and as I acknowledge Sue and her great work that she's doing with the Greater Glider and the team that are doing the work with the Greater Glider, um, if it wasn't for them, we wouldn't know uh, as much as we know now with regards to what's going on, and the more we learn, the more it opens our eyes, and the more critical it becomes that we save these forests from uh, logging operations. And I might add, just a paper pulp, for goodness' sake.
0: Where's that paper pulp going? Is it? Um...
1: It's going to a place called Maryvale. Um, oh, in the in the Latrobe Valley. Land. Yeah. yeah, and um, or occasionally you you'll find it uh, being the it, uh, the logs being uh, chipped. Uh, down at Geelong Way as well.
0: Oh, and um, being sent overseas? Yes,
1: yes, yeah. um, just as raw product. So, and what, um, does do that, you know, what does a chip but,
0: get turned into?
1: Um, now, it's, the company that, that utilises our beloved eucalypt is uh, a Japanese company, um, and they love the, uh, the product that our, our forests make because it makes a very, very fine paper,
0: uh, isn't that Japanese company the same company that owns the mill at Maryvale?
1: Uh, yes, that's correct. Yes, and that 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 company, although they, that company um, now per capita, Japan's land area has, is the most forested landscape on Earth. Yeah, they like doing logging everywhere else.
0: Yeah, yeah, uh, they're, they're they're smart, very smart. Yes.
1: Oh, they're smart, all right. They know exactly what they're doing. So what we've got to try and do is convince them otherwise to use the plantation timber that, hey, this is not the way to go. This is uh, uh, destroying valuable forests for all sorts of purposes, for animal habitat, for climate amelioration, for soil stability and for water production.
0: All right, let's just take a break. Peter, you've picked a song for us. Can you just quickly introduce this song and, and, and quickly why you
1: chose it? Yes, it's Midnight oil, the power and the passion. And all that we're talking about is money and greed.
0: Ah, um, yeah. Relevant. Yeah,
1: that's, that's the bottom line of all this, let's face it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Let's let's have a listen and we'll come back after this song and we'll talk some more about The Greater Glider at, in King Lake. I just think
2: that it's ironic that the state of Victoria want to treat it with Aboriginal people but have no issue in destroying our sacred sites.
1: War is devastating on the environment. In peacetime, the military is a huge user of fossil fuels, a huge driver of nuclear energy and ultimately the architect of nuclear weapons.
0: Subscribe to 3CR in 2019. Fighting for social justice and environmental change.
1: And to all the people that are so afraid of the solutions to climate change that they choose to live in denial instead, the current solutions to the climate emergency are much easier to cope with than the outcomes that will come if we don't. Feed Radical Radio go to 3cr.org.au
0: forward slash subscribe or call the station on 9419
2: 8377. Follow,
0: follow the sun in which way
2: the wind
0: blow? You're listening to Freedom of Species on 3CR Community Radio, 855 AM. And that song you just heard was Midnight Oil, uh, The Power and the Passion. Now, we're here in the studio with Sue McKinnon from King Lake Friends of the Forest, and we've got Peter Roberts on the phone also. He's also from King Lake Friends of the Forest. And we're talking about uh, the Greater Glider and that's being pretty much logged close to extinction, and that's being done by Vic Forest, which is uh, the state government-owned logging company. And King Lake Friends of the Forest are trying everything they've got to stop that logging going ahead, but I want to talk to Peter and Sue now about the government's own scientific advisory committee has made recommendations for no logging in the greater glider habitat, and that's come from the, the government's own committee. And from what I've read and what I understand, that there's multiple legal me- mechanisms that exist for intervention to prevent this logging occurring, like the State Environment Minister and from the Secretary of Delp, which is the Department of Environment, Land, Water and Planning. There's intervention that they can call upon. There's interventions that's available to them to stop Vic Forrest doing this logging. And there's even, there's been multiple code of practice breaches by Vic Forrest that could have led to prosecution, but haven't led to prosecution. It's just like there's this willful, deliberate disregard of the Greater Glider by the state government, which I find really hard to comprehend. So Peter and Sue, either one of you or both of you, can you expand on what these interventions are and why they're not being utilised when they exist for this purpose?
2: Yeah, okay. well, the the reason that that massive areas of native forest is being logged is, is due entirely to a legislated deal between the government and a commercial paper company. And that deal uh, requires the government to supply this paper company with... A certain number of meters, cubic meters of our native forest. It's uh, at the moment it's three hundred and fifty thousand cubic meters. So that deal is the problem. It's the um, paper pulp, um, uh, paper pulp supply deal. It was there was a motion to that that deal should have been uh, cancelled straight after the two thousand and nine fires, and there was. Uh, scope within that deal to to cancel that deal because of the two, because of the disaster of the 2009 fires that could have been stopped right then, the government chose not to. The government chose to move in and log the areas of forest that weren't burnt. They they moved in and logged areas of Tulangi before the residents were allowed back in their town.
0: Wow, it's so wow. sad.
2: It's that's telling of the priorities, isn't it? Absolutely. And so now in King Lake, we've got recovering forest, just small patches that weren't burned so severely, and they're intentionally removing those to supply a paper mill. So that's the essential, um, essentially the, the reason that, that all this is happening. And certainly uh, last year, or the last year, I believe it was, just before the election, there was a motion put to the Senate, so the, the upper house in the, in the state. Parliament, to cancel, to repeal that supply bill. That motion failed. Every um, uh, the, the Labor members and the Liberal members and the National Party members all voted against that repeal. Um, and that could have turned around the future of our native forest. But they chose not to. And appreciation to Samantha Dunn for raising that appear, that, that repeal bill. Um, so, so now what's left within the code, what is left now for the, for the Department of Environment or for the minister to do? Well, the minister can intervene, but the Department of Environment is the regulator. So DELP is the regulator of Vic Forests and Vic Forest has to operate under the Code of Forestry Practice.
0: And within that Code of Forestry Practice... that's man- That's a mandatory code, isn't it? That's, yeah, absolutely. It's not... There's no gray areas, it's no. an absolute one, yeah, okay.
2: And there is another mandatory clause in that code which says which is called the precautionary principle. Um, and that's where um, if if science and science shows that damage uh, serious and irreversible damage can be done to the environment, even without the complete knowledge of every part of that science the, the uh, action must be carried out to avoid that serious and irreversible damage. And that's the precautionary action. And Department of Environment have chosen not to regulate that. So uh, because when an when animal is listed as threatened, such as a greater glider has been now been listed as threatened, its action statement should have been written by the department by the minister for environment and that hasn't been written so once that action statement's written all the prescriptions get put into the code right so it's definite yeah. the greater glider will get definite things that that protect it but because the action statement hasn't been written nothing's been written into the forestry yeah. code so that brings in the precautionary principle we know that the animal mm. is threatened with, with extinction, and we know that logging uh, logging uh, kills gra- greater gliders. Die if all or most of their home range is cleared. We know that. So, given those two things, we shouldn't be logging in greater glider habitat or where greater gliders are found, and that that is what the Department of Environment should be regulating. They've chosen not to regulate that, so it's gone down to community once again, and there's been a, a legal case between Friends of Leadbeater's Possum, uh, who challenged, who have challenged Vic Forrest in the federal court. Uh, that court case lasted for three weeks over uh,
0: June. We're still waiting on the result of that. Even just waiting for the for the action statement to be done. Is it even on the horizon? Well. I personally
2: have been in this forest campaign for five years and I know other people have and I wrote to uh, the Environment Minister uh, as soon as it was threatened and a few months after and I keep getting told. So two years ago I was told that the draft of the action statement is just about ready for community (laughs) consultation. Two years ago and they're
0: still saying the same line. Mm. Now I've heard recent media reports of Research logging, research, and like, that's in t- that's in inverted commas. Research logging, and it sounds to me that just like Japan's research whaling, is it akin to research whaling? What is what is research logging? Because it sounds very dubious to me. Well,
2: frankly, all of it's research logging because they know that Vicross know there are greater gliders in the areas they coop they, that they log. They know there's greater gliders in the trees that they log, and they are just doing it anyway. No. The the only thing that doesn't make it research is they don't go back afterwards and see if the animal died or not. So, but they did in East Gippsland and they actually specifically logged an area that had uh, uh, had detections of ten greater gliders, and they actually even then went back later to find to find out if they ha- had been killed or not. I don't know, but they admitted that that was research, and then recently there's been a extensive research carried out in the Strathbogie Ranges. And over there it was found that there were there were three coops, and in those three coops, uh, a significantly high density of greater gliders there, they they did extensive surveying and found there to be 500 greater gliders in those three coops.
0: That's a lot, isn't it? 500? 500, 500 is, like a a lot. Hu-
2: is, is probably the highest density of any yeah, okay. um, area in Victoria. Right. Um now, it could be challenged, but King Lake's probably close, but um, that's a significant area. Yeah, right. A number of greater gliders. What they did then was they logged it.
0: Oh, my God.
2: So I don't know what's happened, if they've gone back afterwards and researched again to find out how many have lived, but it's uh, devastating. I do know that... Um, Counting
0: dead yeah. animals is hard to call that research, isn't it?
2: Well, you won't count them because they would have died quietly and slowly. In their hollows, they wouldn't be on the ground.
0: I read in, the, um, in one of the reports, I think it was in the Gliding Towards Extinction report, which was an excellent report written by a few different environmental groups, I read that the Greater Glider has been protected in certain East Gippsland areas, even though that their population there is less significant than some of the other areas. Is there any sensible rationale that they have been protected in this sort of a couple of random places in East Gippsland... According to their their status, their protected stat their, their um listings, but they haven't been protected elsewhere. What what's the logic behind that? Well, the, uh,
2: just historic reasons. There there was um, an action statement for the powerful owl, I believe, and that was um that, that and the details of that action statement went into the code of forestry practice. So there was a prescription made that if there's an area with a high density of greater gliders then it's an area that is good forage for the powerful owl. Uh, And so um, in in East Gippsland, if there's more than 10 greater gliders detected in a one-kilometre transect, it's called, in a one-kilometre walk, then there's a 100-kilometre special protection zone put over that area. So we need more powerful owls. (laughs) (laughs) We need need the same prescription to be written for... uh, Central Highlands as well as right.
0: East Gippsland. Yeah. Now in that same report that I, I just mentioned was the gliding towards extinction, I, I was I was reading about the different the differences in the surveys done by Vic Forest when they do or the government, when the government does a survey for greater gliders to decide whether they're gonna log, the results of those surveys are always very different to the results done by the environment groups, like King Lake Friends of the Forest and by Gecko and by Watch and all those different groups, why is this very different results, different survey results for the Greater Glider? Are they different results because of the methodology or is it because of the inclination?
2: Well, the meth- it, it, originally it was... So for the last many years, Vic Frost have been responsible to do their own surveys and in many cases they either didn't do a survey or they failed to detect greater gliders in coops, and then the community were, became aware of that and so went in and started doing surveys themselves. Right. And these surveys have detected greater gliders, and the, it's, it's a definite detection because we have to video the greater glider and then video a GPS location in the same um, uh, screen, screenshot. Uh, so... You can't uh, make it up. No, we can't make it up. Yeah, and the, right. and the department, we send these into the Department of Environment and they verify them. So this happened a number of times over a number of years. So the Department of Environment said, OK, we are now going to take over. We're going to come above that and we're going to do our own surveys as well as Vic Forest. But like Vic Forest, we will only survey a one kilometre walk. So we'll only go for one stretch. We'll look 25 metres one way, 25 metres the other way. So there's one strip. Like a straight line. A straight a straight line or a curved line. So one but okay. one strip okay. yep. of of forest that is that is so it, it gives you an indication of whether there's greater gliders there or not. Right. But it doesn't tell you where the greater gliders are over the whole coop. It just gives you it's just like a sign saying warning, there's greater gliders gonna be in this area. And that's not to that, that's not to replace the responsibility of Vic Forest to survey. They must still survey. But they don't. They simply say, well, the well, Department of Environment surveyed that one strip over there. That's That must be the only place that gliders are. And that's what happened in King Lake. So we, the community surveyed the east boundary, just time-wise. We didn't have time to go over the whole coop. And Department of Environment happened to survey the west boundary. It's actually the other way around. Um, but the middle of the coop wasn't... So, so in the end, Vic Forrest did a, a map that showed where greater gliders were detected and they showed a few trees that were going to be saved in those few places, which is not nearly enough to, to allow a greater glider to survive, but that's what they did and they were going to log out and they're still going to log and they shouldn't be logging at all. And in the very least, they should then survey the whole coop Mm. and they didn't. So Mm. it was up to community again to go in and survey through the
0: middle and say, look, these gliders are everywhere in this coop. Now, Peter, we've still got you, haven't we? You're still there? Yes, yes. Now, can you talk to me about RFAs, the Regional Forest Agreements? I understand there's an opportunity coming up soon to revisit the Regional Forest Agreements. Can you tell me about these agreements and this upcoming
1: opportunity? Okay, regional forest agreements, RFAs, are a document put uh, together by the um, presiding power, or power or uh, governing body, which is DELP. Uh, it usually calls in all stakeholders, um, all, all stakeholders from environment groups to shooters to beekeepers to. Um, Logging contractors, you name it—they're all called in um, sometimes into the one room, It can make a very interesting, um, a very interesting afternoon. And uh, it's it's um, thrashed out and workshopped and, and basically formulated from that. Um, now RFAs are—they're they're always open to interpretation. Let's face it. Um, and when there's the, the the last RFA was done. Goodness me, um, 10 years ago? Uh, things have changed somewhat since then. So, um, yeah, uh, they're, they're a document that's sort of a, a go-to tool, I suppose, um, with what was said, what was agreed upon, and how we interpret uh, what what was said amongst the, the various parties, I suppose.
0: So they're meant to represent the views of, the, of all those various stakeholders?
1: Absolutely, yeah. That's, that's an scenario. That's the that's the the the, um, the essence behind it. Now, let's face it, we've got uh, a government department writing it up. So at the end of the day, um, it's open to their interpretation.
2: Yes. So it's it's a regional forest agreement. So it's between the state government and the federal government. And... No, no.
1: Regional forest agreements are. Um, but as I said, they usually call all stakeholders in and um, try and thrash it out with um, all the stakeholders and, and refine um, policies, um, implement new ones, strike out old ones, et cetera.
0: And so what's this... There's a new opportunity coming up in, I think, what is it, in 2020 to revisit those RFAs?
1: Well, absolutely. And there has to be... There just has to be a greater emphasis on environmental protection, um, it's it's a given. The uh, industry must, um, at some stage in the not too distant future, for all our benefits, let's face it, I mean all our benefits, um, transition into plantation timbers and um, go from there, basically.
0: So, do the RFAs expire next next year? Is that
1: why I there's this opportunity
0: I, I, to to maybe revise them?
1: Absolutely, I think. That's the case. I'm not entirely positive. Um, Yeah, and so they need revision. But, again, I must emphasise that at the end of the day, it's uh, DELT that strike them and publish them, and um, they're open to interpretation. So I I really have no... Honestly, Kate and Sue, I really have no um, uh, confidence in any government any government we've had, um, be it Labor or Liberal, to actually do the right thing by our our forest estate, our woodland estate, um, and strike up a a true uh, environmental policy. Um, It just gets twisted and turned and and, um, regurgitated a different way and interpreted a different way um, all the time. It's just such a mixed up, munched up um, uh, situation. It really is. There's been talk for several
0: years now about a new extensive national park, I think the Greater Forest National Park, and something called an Emerald Link. Sue, could you talk about this new national park, and Emerald Link, and is that looking any likelier? Is that going to save the day for the glider? It
2: It would definitely save the day for the glider. Absolutely. Um, but, but stopping logging will stay, save the day. Stopping logging of native forest will save the day for the glider. We'll also save the day for our water supply and, you know, and carbon storage and a lot of other environmental services that our native forests give to us. And, um, but on top of all that, if we bring in as well a Great Forest National Park, we will add to the benefit of stopping logging. We'll add increased recreation um, facilities, and we'll add increased economic uh, uh, scope for the area. Because national parks attract massive amounts of visitors, so um, so so all the regional towns can be have economic revigoration through
0: um, through the creation of a national park. Uh, and, um, it seems though yeah, a lot of people regard protected area as like dead area, as in is, there's no economic benefit and it just it's land that just gets partitioned off and it's of no use to anyone. But you're saying that if you have national park, it, it's a huge economic boon for the area. Absolutely, yeah, and there's been
2: studies done on, on what kind of money this will bring into the whole area and the regional towns, uh, how many jobs it'll bring in, yeah, right. seven 700 jobs within wow. the first five years. That's that's on the premise that, that a trail gets put through the park and various a, what, other a, facilities. A walking trail. A walking trail. Right. Um, so, uh, yeah, national parks are used, well used. I think the suggestion is with this, this great Forest National Park is that it has various... Uh, tenures, so um, some areas would be like our similar, like our national parks now, and some areas would be like our national parks that allow horse riding and dogs and uh, shooting. Some areas will be more highly conserved, um, and some areas less conserved, less um, you know more open to to visitation. It's a large area, and and obviously the the range of um, rules and regulations would be decided by the, by the government bringing it in. But, um, yeah, the main thing what we want to do is stop
0: the logging. You've got a rally on tomorrow for this, precisely this, a rally tomorrow being Monday the 21st of July. Can you tell me more about this rally that you've got going? All right, so
2: Monday's the 22nd of July. Oh, sorry, 22nd of July, <laughs> pardon me,
0: 22nd of July. And the
2: rally will be from 230 and it will be in King Lake. It will be on the corner of Exton's Road and Whittlesea King Lake Road. Is and that in the township? It's it's in King Lake Central. So okay. uh, the shops of King Lake are, are further to the east. Uh, this is a little bit to the west. It's where the school is, okay. and oh, King, everyone knows the King Lake Football Oval. Okay. It's right beside the King Lake Football Oval, okay. um, and. So we're, we're sending a clear message to um, to the government that they need to stop logging native forest and we need to stop logging native forest in King Lake. We'll have speakers. Okay, cool. Um, yeah, we'll have um, the, our beautiful Swoopy glider. What's we'll be swoop, there. What's Swoopy? Swoopy's a very big glider. It's not real? <laughs> no, it's not real. Okay. <laughs> no. <Confused. laughs> no, but it's just as cute. It okay. has its big ears and long tail. It, it's uh, about person size. But, oh, wow, <laughs> wow. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, uh, so she'll be there. And, um, yeah, lots of people from the King Lake Friends of the Forest will be there to help explain what's going on. Uh, it's not far from the from the area that they're logging right now and they'll okay. be logging on that day. So if anyone wants to drive down and, and see logging in action... Uh, and they, and, they and can stop do it? So. I don't know about that. If they want to commit an offence, they can walk in and stop it. But um, I I couldn't say... I couldn't recommend that people do yeah, that,
0: yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, fair enough. And if we can't make it to tomorrow's rally, how else can we get involved? What can we do to stand up for the glider?
2: Well, we do have another thing. If you if you do feel like coming out to King Lake, there's a spotlight night on the 27th. That's Saturday, the 27th of July. Okay. And we're meeting at the Visitor Car Park at 5 o'clock. On Exton's Road, so that's seven kilometres down Exton's Road. Okay. Um, so again, that will be promoted on our King Lake Friends of the Forest page, but mainly just the, the most the critical thing for everyone to do, and it's really easy, is don't use reflex paper. Yeah. Just don't use it. That's ask, dead easy. Ask your company that you work for to cancel any orders for reflex paper, and please write to Dan Andrews.
0: Yeah. Okay. And what about the environment, Minister? And Lily D'Ambrosio, yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Okay, everybody, did, did you hear that? Write <laughs> to Dan and Lily and stop using reflex. Make sure everybody you know stops using reflex paper because that's just, that's just killing the gliders.
2: If I can explain that paper can be grown, can, is, is being made out of plantation wood and recycled pulp. Um, it's, it's only reflex paper that's made out of our native forests. So you can buy Australian-made paper that is not made out of our native forest if you
0: just don't buy
2: reflex, it's Yeah, just simple. choose carefully.
0: Yeah, it's not hard. Look, thank you, Sue. Thank you, Peter, very much. Great to talk to you both today. Keep fighting that good fight. We hope to see you either tomorrow at the rally or at the spotlighting. Hopefully details of both of those are on your Facebook page, yep. um, King Lake Friends of the Forest. Look them up. That's all we've got for you today. Now, so you can email us here at Freedom Species. Our email is info at freedomofspecies.org. And you can also follow us on Facebook and on Twitter. Now, stay tuned for Encyclopedia. It's coming up at 2 o'clock. And we've got a song that Sue's chosen for us. Sue, what's the song and and why have you chosen it? It's Oceans by John Butler because
2: I heard this at a rally in Melbourne. And it was so encouraging when there was thousands of people in the middle of Melbourne Fighting and protesting. Well, no, they weren't fighting. They were standing there in support of of the the Kimberleys, and saying we don't want a gas hub in the Kimberleys. And then the gas hub was cancelled. It was. It's just. It, it, I get shivers up and down my spine when I think of that beautiful community movement. Then. Yeah.
0: Nice work. Nice story. Okay. <laughs> Thanks, Sue. Let's. Uh, here we go with John Butler. We'll see you next week.